Hey, and welcome to the Cork Report, Episode 2. It's been a while since our last episode, but I won't bore you with excuses. I'm back on the microphone, and it's good to be here. Before I get to this week's show, I've got a bit of housekeeping to take care of. First, I need to thank two people who have been crucial in getting the Cork Report off the ground. First is Anthony Ayani, whose original song, First Fall, you just heard as part of the show's intro. And I also need to thank my friend and graphic designer extraordinaire, PJ Sedgwick, who designed the Cork Report's logo. Can't thank you enough. I also have two announcements. First, the Cork Report is now on the iTunes store, which makes it much easier to find and subscribe to. So if you're so inclined, please go, go do that. And last but not least, I'm really excited to announce that I've partnered with The Cellar Door in Ithaca to relaunch my New York Cork Club. It's a New York-only wine club. Visit The Cellar Door, which is T-H-E-C-E-L-L-A-R-D-O-R.com and learn more under Wine Insider Club in the navigation. Now, on to the show. For this episode, I'm joined by Regan Metter, who, along with his wife Carrie, owns what I think is still Long Island's youngest vineyard and wine label, South Old Farm and Cellar. He's also the vineyard manager, the winemaker, and just about every other job you can think of on the estate. I met Regan several years ago on Twitter, I think just before he moved out of New York City to come out to the North Fork for his first wine job. Regan and Carrie just opened their tasting room for the season last weekend, so we talked about that, some of his new wines that are coming out, his, new, his vineyard, and also how a, a guy from Texas finds himself making Chardonnay Pet Nat on the North Fork. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. So you and Carrie just opened for the season with some, uh, some new wines. So, so tell me, how was your first weekend? Were people digging the wines? It was cool. It was, you know, being closed for as long as we were and, and kind of hunkered down for this crazy winter. It was um, a little bit of a, a, a mad dash to get ready to open, but we're really excited about what we have and seeing all these old faces and new faces. It was a lot of fun. Cool. And, uh, and what wines did, uh, did you open up with? Um, I had a couple of holdovers from last year. We, uh, uh, decided to, um, to close down when we only had a little bit of two wines left. So we opened with those two, um, and then some new ones, a pet nat and a carbonic Cabernet Franc, um, that I think people are really kind of enjoying. No, I mean, I can speak for, for myself when I, I tell you that I, I, I liked both of those new wines. And uh, actually, a, after we saw you on Saturday, we actually drank one bottle of each when we got back. Nice. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah. That's what they're for. Exactly. And um, and I, I know that you also have some other new wines coming out fairly soon. A Sauvignon oh, Blanc sure. and a Chardonnay? For sure. No, we're... we're um... You know, this is kind of spring training for us, uh, is the way that I've seen it. We have um, a handful, or yeah, basically a handful of wines left to release. Um, they'll be coming out in June, a mix of all sorts of whites and uh, another sparkling red, Cab Francs coming back, and another take on a red blend as well. So we're we're pretty stoked about stuff that's that's coming down the, the pipe cool um tell me about that about that a new sparkling red because i know that dan the torpedoes was a 
a very popular wine yeah, for you no, last year. It, Dan the Torpedoes was it kind of took a life of its own. Um, and, uh, you know, what's funny is I had initially had planned it um, not to be made out of Merlot last year, but we had more Merlot come in than Petit Verdot. And so I did it that way. And now this year it's going to be 100% Petit Verdot. So a fairly different wine than we got last year for sure. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting wine just, just because of the natural character of Petit Verdot. Yeah, it's, we, we did the fermentation fairly different than you would do a normal red wine fermentation. So um, we'll, we'll see how it, 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 it reacts with the whole sparkling thing. I'm actually driving up tomorrow to finish it. So, Oh, cool. Okay. So, um, out of all those wines that you made last year and this year, um, you didn't make a rosé, which is pretty interesting. Um, considering New York wineries seemingly all have at least one rosé. Um, so why didn't you make a rosé last year or this year? I, you know, it's funny, my my the the philosophy that I'm building, and it's not set in stone. I feel like it's it's constantly evolving. But I I felt like we didn't really have anything new to say with it. Now it's not to say that you shouldn't make a rosé, but for us personally, it it was just like you know I don't know if the world needs another Merlot uh, rosé. Now it's not to say that we'll never make a rosé or that Merlot rosé is bad or anything like that. It's just, I didn't, I, I didn't have, I wasn't passionate. We weren't passionate about the, that concept for us at this point. Now, you know, down the road with something off of the estate vineyard, you know, I'd love to see what a Toroligo rosé tastes like, you know, potentially or, right. or whatever. So that's not to say that I have anything against rosé or Merlot or anything like that. It was just merely a, a point of not have you know not not wanting to just do it just to do it that's that's not what we decided to get into this for just to make wines to make wines it's uh, there's an exploration component to it and and a learning component to it as well that's actually a perfect segue so uh, since you, you mentioned your, your your estate vineyard so let's talk a bit a little a little bit about what you sure. have going on on your farm so yeah uh, you got a lot of attention with your uh, kickstarter campaign back in 2013 which helped pay to plant your vineyard um during yeah. the campaign you talked about growing weird grapes uh, if you can see me i'm putting that in air quotes um you know since uh-huh. some some of what you planted isn't that weird um no but some people in the local fun. industry seem to have come away thinking that maybe you were kind of looking down on Long Island staples like Merlot and Chardonnay. Uh, obviously, you got the money that you needed to, to plant the vineyard. So looking back, would you change anything about how you approached the, the Kickstarter? I mean, the the, the, the straight answer is no. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to look back and, and, and regret anything. But at the same time, too, <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I, you know, it, it's, it's not something to litigate at this point. It was never, it was more of a, 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 a jibe at the whole fact that Chardonnay and Merlot are just planted everywhere. I mean, there's, there's plenty of it in Texas. There's plenty of it here. There's plenty of it everywhere. And, and I think if you ask anybody out here, especially, you know, what are you, what are the top five 
things that you want to plant, if you could plant something, it wouldn't be any of those two. So it was just more of a, of a joke at that point. But, um, you know, I, the, the Kickstarter thing, it, it's funny how, it, you know, you do something like that and then, and it, it just becomes part of who you are. And I think that was something that we, you know, not understanding Kickstarter to the fullest extent and how it is in how it interfaces with the wine business. You know, it was it was more of a way of just doing something for fun and putting our, ourselves out there and, and saying, you know, kind of putting a, a stake in the ground. Uh, you know, it wasn't meant if we were unsuccessful in it, we were still going to do what we were going to do. It got us from seven acres to nine acres is what it essentially did. And so um, totally happy with how we did it. Um, it was a lot of fun. And we've got a lot of people who um, kind of kind of signed on early on with us. And that's been a really cool thing. And that's that's really what we hoped we would get out of it, if anything, Um you know, the money was definitely a secondary thing for sure. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you got the money and yeah. you were, and you were able to plant your vineyard yep. and you just mentioned that it's nine acres. Yep. Um, I think I know this, but why don't you go ahead and tell me what's, what's planted in it? So we have, um, the biggest block is Lagrine. Um, and then right under that is Toraldigo. And then we have a bit of Syrah and Gold Muscateller, or Moscato Giallo, as some would say. Um, yeah. And and are you uh, are you planning to plant any more? Of course. Um, we've got total about the, the whole property is about twenty four acres, and we only did nine, and so just due to its shape we have another roughly seven or eight acres to plant so i think we're going to do it in little parcels um as we continue to grow so there's definitely more more coming for sure and you and you planted those the original vines in 2013 so you're thinking yep. you, you might get a little bit of fruit this year yeah, yeah yeah i mean you know there's there's uh there's definitely different zones and different things reacted in different ways we're on a little bit of a slope um and which is you know a little bit rare out here um so the soil types are a little bit different so we'll we'll crop some of it this year um just to see uh what happens and and how it handles and and, and honestly in some in some cases try to keep down the vigor of the plants um, right I mean, we had some that just really thrived here so they they need to they need to start producing just for their own sanity. Right. And uh, did you have any uh, any damage from from the winter we had this year? No, nah, not that I've seen. Okay. Um, we're still in the midst of pruning and tying and everything like that, but um, nothing that is any different than what we saw last year. Okay. So um, while you're waiting for your own vines to to come online in full force, uh, you've been working with with Rex Farr. Uh -huh. um, and his the farm vineyard in Calverton, yep. as well as some other producers on the North Fork. Um, what's that experience been like? It's been fun. I mean, Rex is a character, uh, a great guy. We've become fast friends, and it was totally by chance that we even found each other. Um, you know, it was 
it was one of those deals where you you, you kind of put a, a message out in a, a bottle, so to speak, and you know, does anybody have fruit? It's one of the the issues out here for the young startups is is there's not a lot of stuff available, and so when we decided that we were going to do it, it was a matter of will we find something intriguing enough or whatever. When we decided to make wine without our own fruit, rather, it was a matter then of is there something out there that is exciting or intriguing enough for us to work with? And we came across Rex, who, you know, back in the day was a organic vegetable grower back in the 80s, was in the music business before that, um, and just kind of threw everything off and decided that organics was the way to go and started a farm out here and has been here since and lost his marbles, I guess, again, and decided to plant a vineyard. <laughs> and, and then to to farm it organically, um, certified organic. Uh, so, you know, we like to say that Rex is certified just like his vineyard is certified. It's <laughs> just the difference in what. But, uh, you know, it's a great little spot. And, and uh, he's managed to get a, a, a very healthy crop out. I mean... Uh, and, and I'd say, you know, let the, let the wine speak for itself, but I, you know, we're happy with it. I've, I've enjoyed the friendship with him and, and working with that, uh, that vineyard for sure. Yeah. And do you, um, do you plan to, to, to keep making wines from, from that fruit, even once, once your vineyards are producing? Oh yeah. You know, like. I, that's the thing, like right now, these, these wines, this label, I kind of call it my, my love notes to the North Fork, um, you know, and, and, and his is one of those spots, uh, that I'd be, you know, you, you want to kind of see where it goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been making certain types of wines with this and there's so many other things that we have in mind of doing with the stuff on his. It's a, it's a, it's a fairly younger vineyard, um, you know, I think it's no more than six, seven years old on the oldest vines, but it's interspersed with four year, five year, and even three year old vines. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't realize it was that young. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're doing the organic thing, there's, you, you everything's compounded. So when you have something happen to you, you know, you can lose plants. Um, right. Yeah. And so that's, I think he's had a couple of times where that's happened to him and he's gotten really keen on, on watching for that now. But yeah, he had to do quite a bit of, of replanting there early on, but it's, it's a healthy vineyard now. Great. So all of your, your wines have fanciful names that really have nothing to do with, or very little to do with with the grapes that actually go into them. Sure. That, that's a, that's a pretty unique approach. Um, at, at least on the North Fork. I mean, I, I know that there's, pl there's plenty of wines that are labeled without varieties in the world, yeah. but here it's pretty rare. So why not just label stuff by variety? Well, we label the variety. It's that's on the, the little label on the back, but I guess the thing that we're doing with that, it's, it's, it's both autobiographical, Oh, excuse me, autobiographical. And, um, and also just kind of the feeling of the wine too. I mean, while we're making it or anything like that, it's just the thoughts that are going through our heads. Like, you know, the, the, the thing that 
I think you want to we want to see with that is to be able to look back twenty years from now, and and those wines and those names and everything kind of tell that story of where we are today, um, and 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 kind of be a snapshot. That's what I look at wine as being, but I also want to remember, you know, what we're going through and the thoughts that are in our heads and while we're working on these things and, 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 and that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons why we name a wine, what we do. Um, you know, some of them are fairly obvious and some of them are fairly, you know, convoluted. Uh, but you know, it's, there's always, there's always a reason of some sort. So, and yeah. yeah, and at this point, you're not planning to reuse any of the names, correct? No, no. There's, it's one of those things too. You know, you look at something like "Damn the Torpedoes," and you're like, "Man, that really worked." And, yeah. And um, coming from a business like advertising, you know, it's you're you're taught that those are the types of things that you need to hold on to. But really, like for for us, it's it's about us like the south old farm and cellar is what we want to be known for and and that's going to be something that is known for high quality so yeah our wines might not be exactly the same thing but you know what the fact of the matter is is that if you taste a lot of well-made wines year after year they're going to be very different anyways and so the way that i look at it is every wine's different and and who cares to a certain degree i mean you'll 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 pick up on the cues Right and the yeah and the uh, and the the parent brand is is more important than the individual yeah. wines yeah yeah I think that makes I, sense yeah I'm, that's the thing is like nothing that we're making is ever going to be we're never I'm never going I mean I guess I could try but I doubt seriously because Rex only makes so much or grows so much fruit that I ever be able to make them torpedoes again I could, it's not like I can just go out and buy a bunch of Merlot right. And, and and petit verdot and and all this other and and blend it and make ten thousand cases of it tomorrow. You know, it's it's that's a snapshot of just what we had last year, and so that's kind of how I I meant to to keep it as because it's not something we're not in this to to have, um, you know, at least the endeavor of Southfield Farm and Cellar is not to have big production like large production wines out there that are marketing led necessarily um so yeah i mean that's that's really why why that is you know we just can't we can't replicate it so why why keep calling it something when it's going to be completely different the next year right it's interesting that you mentioned marketing because, um, you know, to shift gears a little bit, you're from Texas originally. Yeah. And you were working in Manhattan in advertising and marketing. Yeah. Uh, before you decided to come out here. Mm -hmm. Did you have or do you remember that aha moment when you knew you wanted to leave your corporate life behind and make wine? Well, no. I mean, here's the thing. What's, what's funny is, is that everyone, I mean, it's you're always remembered for the last thing you did, I guess, or yeah. you know, the last thing you did. And 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 what's funny is, in in this, it's kind of a sidebar, but like, like my aha moment happened a lot earlier. And as far as not wanting to work the corporate lifestyle, um, 
that was working in finance in Dallas, Texas. Uh, okay. It, you know, uh, back in like 2002 or 2003 or whatever it was. Um, and I made the decision to get out of that and go work in the music business. And that's what brought me to New York City. Oh, okay. Yeah. So oh, I spend the next five or so years, you know, trying to to make my way through that whole rat race and it finally just got the best of me um and advertising and marketing was just kind of a stopgap for a lot of ways you know it was like kind of a regroup so to okay. speak okay. Um, and and so uh so yeah so you know i moved out from dallas to work for duran duran <laughs> in 2002 <laughs> or 2003 that's great and then you know, I just bounce around, you know, start working with different bands, start doing all these different little things and start my own little companies and just just flame out completely. And and it's like, you know, you're living in Brooklyn without health insurance for the last five years and you're, I don't know, 29 years old or whatever. And yeah. it's like, I've got to do something, you know, like I got to pay for rent somehow and so you know i i guess i had enough skills to 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 parlay into the advertising business right and, and so i sat there for a few years and so there i sat and, and you know it's funny thing is like ever you know I, I i wouldn't say that i grew up with a family that was a wine family by any stretch of the uh, uh i mean we're west texas it's like was it wine and is it wet is it good okay good that's, right that's, right um but that you know i there's certain little things that i remember um and even when i was living in in dallas you know coming across um like crow's hermitage which is not you know the top flight stuff but just trying something like that and being like wait this is there's something different about this mm -hmm. you know and that kind of feeding into more wine, you know, uh, uh, exploration and then moving to the city and not having any money to look into wine, <laughs> right. getting the, the advertising job and like starting that back all up again. And that's basically what happened as far as, um, you know, I, it, it was, it was literally like one of those things like, you know what, I'd love to work in the wine business and, I had no idea how to work in the wine business. Um, just like I think a lot of people say, how do you work in advertising? Or how do you work in music business? Um, and I just said, well, I'm just going to figure it out. I thought the worst case scenario, I could help somebody with some marketing stuff or something. Right. And, um, like a lot of people kept my eye on winejobs.com and I talked to as many people as I could and got, lucky that you know and a winemaker out here happened to post a job for an assistant that had no experience so he could train him the way he wanted to so right that's that and it was totally you know coming out here it was totally it was supposed to be you know work harvest kind of get you know oh you you know how people make wine now this is gonna help you, you know right I right really, i didn't 
it's one of those things like who's a winemaker how do you become a winemaker like (laughs) (laughs) yes you know like it's supposed to be magically you know you're you're born into it or something like that right Mm. when it came time to to to, to pursue this dream of making wine you know you you could have gone anywhere i mean there's so many places you could have gone you could have gone back to texas yeah no we thought long and hard about texas for sure i mean there's guys doing some really cool things out there and i think it's it's you know it it's not all there yet but it's it's getting close and and i mean they're doing great anyways just i mean this talk about the wine just doesn't get past the borders but they're they're gonna figure it out in a big way and so texas was on our minds you know california was even on our minds and my you know carrie my wife just happened to be from out here so we were spending a lot of time and it was like well it just makes sense i can move in with her family and And then, and then, how did you stumble? How did you stumble upon your your current site, and and what made you think that it had everything that you needed to make the kind of wine that you want to make? Well, that's kind of the funny thing is, like, the minute that we decided that we were going to do this, it just set us set this trajectory that we haven't even stopped since, and that's kind of been the the exciting part and the scary part at the same time. Um, uh, so when I got out here in 2011, um, you know, we, I liked the job a lot. I felt like I was really learning quite a bit and it was worth a stay around. And so we started looking around for a house or a place to stay. And, uh, you know, that just kind of snowballed from looking for a rental to looking for a house to looking for a house with land. Um, so, you know, it led us down a lot of different paths. And I think it was just one of those kind of moments where we were driving down the road and, you know, I'd, I'd been around here a bit and I'd done plenty of just aimless driving. And this parcel had always kind of been curious to me and, and, uh, you know, they all kind of blend in together. And so I wasn't, you know, actively, you know, it's the idea of owning 24 acres out here is not something that we thought was really that possible. Right. And because land out here is expensive. It's, it's very expensive. Um, but you know, once you start looking at the numbers and you start playing with the ideas and stuff and, and the fact is, is that Carrie, you know, my wife is still going into the city for her job a few days a week into new New York city. So, you know, once you start to do the math, you see, well, we're, we'd pay less on a mortgage than we were paying for rent in New York city, um, for a teeny tiny apartment. Mm-hmm. And so the opportunity starts to kind of unfold before your eyes. And then it literally was driving down the road one day, looking at another place and seeing this place and being like, wait a minute, and you know the the property had been on sale for or for sale for seven six seven years. Right. And the company who bought it, it was a big fanfare kind of deal. It was you know Napa Valley money coming in um, or expertise or whatever you want to call it, and they just vanished and uh, and it sat. And we just happened to call up the. Uh, 
guy, the realtor on the right day, really was what it come down what it came down to. Oh yeah, they're thinking they're thinking about lowering the price, and it's like, well, how about this price? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and the, and the land has been a vineyard before too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was a vineyard for about five years. It just gotten into producing, and then the owner sold it to this company, and they decided that he didn't do it right, and so they ripped everything out and and the property next to it. Um, as well, um, which is still vacant, or actually, it's farms now, vegetables and stuff. But, right. but yeah, yeah, that, that that to me is still kind of just a baffling thing to think about to to, to spend that kind of money and to, to tear something out uh, like that. Uh, that's 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 some guts. <laughs> <laughs> that's more guts than what we have, I guess. What's it been like being the new kid on the block? Um, it's been great. I mean, you know, it always has its struggles. Um, no, you don't have a track record. And so people don't know who you are or what you're trying to do. And, and so you're constantly, you know, left to explain yourself <laughs> for the silly things that you say. Um, but, but it's been good. I mean, we've, you know, we want to we want to be a positive uh, contribution in all this, and and the way that we look at it is, you know, there's a lot that's been built, and we wouldn't be doing this if it hadn't had been built. And so, it's almost for me, it's uh, you know, it's time for somebody else to come in and just keep the momentum going, and that's you know planting new varieties and all that stuff might look like a, a, a shunning of the old, so to speak, but, uh, it's, it's not, it's, it's just, it's more of just continuing the conversation of what this land out here, what this place can is, is capable of doing. And I think that's the exciting part about it. Like we all know that Merlot can grow well out here, you know, what else can it do? Um, so that's that's what that's what I hope our contribution is. Um, you know, that's so we've had we've had a good time for sure, and we've had a lot of help from a lot of the guys that started everything or were here when everything got started. So um, I can't complain one bit. So then, what's next for you guys? Planting more getting more getting this vineyard producing something you know it's funny like you talk about all this stuff and, and all that we've, we're done but it's all still future events right yeah you know? and so there's a lot of anxiousness and anxiety that that there's we've still got a lot to to do um yet but you know we're just going to keep finding little pockets of stuff to make wine from hopefully our stuff comes online and it comes in healthy this year and just keep on adding to it keep building thank you very much for sitting down with me regan yeah yeah of course really appreciate it uh good good luck in the tasting room this season and uh i'm sure i'll talk to you soon of course so that's it for the cork report episode two don't forget to subscribe to the cork report on itunes and check out the new york cork club my new york wine club 
on thecellardoor.com. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I hope you're drinking well.